You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. But we've said before that somehow the laws of the intermediate days of festivals and the laws of mourning are intertwined in the tractate of Moed Katam. And the reason is not obvious. Perhaps it's because some of the restrictions on a mourner, I mean, a, a mourner doesn't really do any, any work that's not essential. So some of the restrictions on a mourner might be similar to the restrictions on Chol HaMoed, when similarly, we don't do any work unless it's essential. So maybe there are parallels, maybe there are other philosophical parallels as well. There's a sort of a stopping. There's a, there's, it, there's, a, there's a sort of stopping of life. There's a stopping of normal activity in both situations. Anyway, we've already seen as we've gone through the track date, the issues of mourning keep on popping up in the track date as if it's in the as if, as if it's in the um, the background of the minds of the rabbis as they're teaching the track date. And now, as we enter the fifth Mishnah, the third chapter, we enter fully into the laws of mourning. And in fact, the laws of mourning then occupy the whole of the remainder of the tractate. So from this Mishnah, the tractate is engaged not with um, the laws of the intermediate days of festivals, but with the laws of mourning. And just as we've said, you know, these these ideas, the festivals and the the period of mourning, these laws are kind of intertwined. The Mishnah actually begins by talking about the intertwining in time if a death occurs just before a festival. In other words, if a festival interrupts the period of mourning. That's how the Mishnah will begin. So in other words, it, it begins with the intermingling of festivals and mourning. Someone who buries his dead three days before a festival, the degrees of Shiva are annulled from him, i.e. he doesn't, as soon as the festival starts, the Shiva, the Shiva stops. And by the way, today we 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 interpret we don't interpret this with the three days. So in other words, today, even if someone buries his day on the day before a festival, the decrees of Shiva are annulled. He doesn't see Shiva. The Mishnah continues, Shmona, eight days. But Shloshim, eight days before a festival, the decrees of the Shloshim are annulled for him. The secondary mourning period of 30 days stops. Because it's said, Shabbat counts in the counting. When the Mishnah uses the word Ola, which literally means to go up, the Mishnah means to be included in. So Shabbat Shabbat counts among the seven days, but it doesn't interrupt. The seven days carry on after the end of Shabbat. While festivals interrupt, but they don't count. 
So in other words, the, the festivals interrupt, but the, the, they, they, they interrupt the Shiva, but they don't actually, they, the, we, we, don't, we don't count them. And Rabbi Eliezer then goes on. Rabbi Eliezer is going to make a make a, a, a tiny change to this halacha, this halacha about counting. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer says, "Misha From the time the temple was destroyed, atzeret, that is Shavuot, is like Shabbat. Now, I don't think he's saying Shavuot is like Shabbat in terms of how we we observe it. But Atzeret is a really interesting festival because it's only one day. Or it's two days in diaspora, but in principle in the land of Israel, certainly in the time of Rabbi Eliezer, he's living in the, Rabbi Eliezer is living in the land of Israel. He's living in Yavne. So for him, Shavuot is one day. So what does he mean Shavuot is like Shabbat? He means it, it, uh, he means it's treated like Shabbat in the sense that it counts but does not interrupt. Very interesting idea. We don't follow Rabbi Eliezer, but that's his idea. It counts, but it does not interrupt. And why does he say this? Well, before the time that the temple was destroyed, even though Shavuot was only one day, you could actually bring the sacrifices, the Chagiga, you could bring the festival sacrifices for Shavuot for the whole week. So Shavuot in some way extended out for the whole week. And actually nowadays there are some people that don't say Tachonon for the whole week after Shavuot for this reason. During when the temple stood, Shavuot in principle had a sort of extension over the whole week. But of course, after the temple is destroyed, Rabbi Eliezer says, Atzeret, Shavuot is just one day. And so he says, okay, that's like Shabbat. And Rabban Gamliel, he's a contemporary of Rabbi Eliezer, says, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim, Karolagim. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim are like the festivals. In other words, that they, um, the festivals are, they interrupt, but they do not count. And the sages are going to come and have the last word. Not like this one, not like the other one, but rather, Atzer is just like the festivals, and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are like Shabbat. In other words, Yom, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur um, count, but they don't interrupt. And this is the halacha in the Mishnah. And this is, by the way, not what we do today. So now we consider Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur just like festivals. But this was clearly not the halacha in, in the time of the Mishnah. What happens? What, so let's go back now to Chol HaMoed. What happens if there is a death on Chol HaMoed? And mourning is slightly... Mourning is slightly, um, it's slightly reduced. Interesting, by the way, that the Mishnah doesn't tell us how mourning is carried out. The Mishnah seems to assume that people know how to mourn. I mean, it's very interesting. Look at the first Mishnah in the Talmud, which is the beginning of Brachot. When do we read Shema 
in the evening time. So the Mishnah assumes that we already know how to read Shema. The only question it's interested in is, well, okay, when is it read? Now, and maybe that's obvious because the idea of reading Shema is already there in Chumash. And here it's the same thing, but of course, morning is not specified in Chumash. So somehow the Mishnah knows that its, its audience knows how to mourn. But it doesn't necessarily know about the adjustments to mourning on Chol Hamoed. So it explains, Ein korin sin ve'ein They don't tear, that means tear their clothes, nor bare their shoulders. They used to wear their shirts kind of a bit like sort of trendy girls do now. You know, today it's very trendy to wear your shirt kind of off the shoulder. So they used to push their shirt off the shoulder. Ve'ein mavrin. And that we don't provide the special meal for the mourners. Eila Kovrav shall met only except for the relatives of the dead. And so clearly the circle of those who used to mourn in the time of the Mishnah was much wider than today. So today the mourners are the relatives of the met, of, of the dead, right? But in those days, there was, a, if you like, a wide circle and a small circle. And the wide circle would not carry out all these things, whereas the small circle would. Ela Krovav Shilmet. Ve'ein Mavrin Ela Mitaz Kufa. Ve'ein Mavrin Ela Al Mita Zukufa. And the 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 meal, the the comforting meal that the mourner eats. The mourner is not supposed to provide his own food. The community provides food for him, on, certainly on his first, on, certainly on the first day, on the day that he buries his dead. And in the time, in a regular, for a, for a regular shiver, they would, they would actually turn the couch upside down. So they'd lower its height by turning it upside down and they'd sit on the upturned couch. And today we have chairs which are a bit lower that people will sit on. I guess we don't really sit on couches anyway in sort of modern, I, I guess, no, you, we would sit on a sofa. We just sit on a sofa. But we, it's not a thing for a shiva visit. Anyway, the Mishnah says, So we don't lower the chair. We don't turn over the bed on Chol HaMoed. And again, I don't, yeah, this is, I don't think this is a halacha we, I don't think this is a halacha we observe today. And then the Mishnah goes on to explain some halachot, which actually are related to mourning in general and not particularly we don't bring to the house of mourning on a, a tavla is well you can hear the word the, the the word table yeah it's i think it's a greek word probably gone from greek to latin through to english we don't bring on a tavla this is a kind of an ornate tray velob iskutla I'm not on a, this is a, a an iskutla is a kind of a glass or maybe a silver bowl. Veloba canon. A canon is a kind of special basket. Ele vasalin. But just in a basket, a sal is just an ordinary basket, a very, very ordinary basket. And the Gemara explains that, I mean, clearly we're going to bring food to the house of the mourner. So when we say, they do not bring, we're talking about bringing food here. And there was a time when um, rich people or rich mourners would receive food 
in decorated, in beautiful decorated baskets and trays. And of course, poor mourners or poor donors would bring food in, in just ordinary wicker baskets. So the Baraita explains that the rabbis made a takana, they made a ruling that everybody should bring to the house of mourning food in a plain wicker basket so that the poor should not be embarrassed. And that's halakha for the whole of the year, not just for Chol HaMoed. And I guess we could, you know, maybe that's an interesting halakha to think about today. We don't say the mourner's blessing during the festival. But we stand in a row and we comfort them. And then they send away. And then they, they send the public away. So we do mourn on festivals. But the mourning is slightly, it, it's slightly reduced. And we are learning from this Mishnah and from the ones that follow all of the halachot of mourning in the tractate of Moed Katan, in a surprising, surprising place in the Mishnah. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.